0: Uh, hello i'm sachi Arkabright and this is reading women a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world today i'm talking to elizabeth miki brina about her memoir speak okinawa which is out from Kanof. You can find a complete transcript of this episode on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Um, so we're very excited to have Elizabeth on our podcast today. I absolutely loved her memoir, um, and I'm so excited to be uh, speaking with her about it today. Um, a little bit about Elizabeth. Um, she is the recipient of a Rana Jaffe Breadloaf Scholarship and a New York State Summer Writers Institute Scholarship, um, and she currently lives and teaches in New Orleans, and You know, this book talks a lot about her experience as a Biracial um, individual who is half white and half Okinawan. And for for those of you who might not be familiar with Okinawa, um, it is a island off of Japan. It's its own prefecture, so it's technically a part of Japan. Um, but it was its own native island um, before it was fought over by the Chinese and the Japanese and the U.S. And it came kind of to this agreement after much fighting that uh, the Okinawan people and land would be sold to Japan and that the U.S. would occupy part of the territory. And we still currently have military bases there today. So Elizabeth's parents um, met while her father was stationed in Okinawa and her mother was a cocktail waitress. And um, this book really talks about her relationship with her mother and father and how that has changed throughout her life and how her experience through childhood and leading to adulthood, how that's shifted. And in addition to the chapters about her own personal life, it's also peppered in with uh, chapters about Okinawan history. And this book resonated with me so much because as, as, Some of our listeners might know, I think I've mentioned it before, I am also um, biracial. I am half white and half Japanese. Um, So because of that kind of relationship between Japan and Okinawa, Elizabeth and I had a lot in common. My father met my mother while he was stationed in Japan when he was in the Navy. And so being biracial and being an Asian American biracial individual whose family was a military family in its background, I related so much to this book and was was constantly taking pictures of screenshots and sending it to to my sister um, because it it was so similar to our experience and and I've never read a memoir like this that I um, saw myself so completely in and so I've been telling everyone um, you know how much I love this and they should pick it up. I really feel like uh, it hasn't gotten enough buzz. And so I'm so excited that we are able um, to highlight this this wonderful conversation that I had with Elizabeth Miki Brina today, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Elizabeth Miki Brina about her memoir, Speak Okinawa. All right, well, uh, welcome, Elizabeth. So excited to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Great. Well, I personally am very excited to discuss your memoir, Speak Okinawa, today. I loved your book so much. And honestly, I feel like it's not praised enough (laughs) as it should be. Um, So we're super excited to be highlighting it on our platform today because I feel like it's a truly special piece of work. Probably going to be one of my favorites of this year.
1: Oh, thank you. That makes me really happy.
0: Yeah. Good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, for context for our listeners, um, I, uh, like Elizabeth, I'm a biracial Individual. My mother is from Japan uh, and my father is from America, and my parents met when uh, my father was stationed in Yokohama uh, while he was in the Navy. And so, Elizabeth, I resonated with your childhood experience so much, just having you know, parents from two different worlds. And, you know, having that military background um, within the immediate family, I think adds another dynamic to uh, the family as well. Um, And so this book, you know, resonated with me more than any other book that I read, because I feel like there's not a ton of literature out there about the biracial experience or even, you know, in addition to that military family and also from either kind of like the Japan Okinawa type relationship type thing. So I, I just want to thank and applaud you for even writing this book and putting it out there because that representation meant so much to me.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been amazing, uh, to, to hear the responses like that. There's so many of us out there that, that, you know, that that we didn't know about before. So it's yeah, I feel, I, feel, I feel very connected to a community.
0: So for those of our listeners who might not have heard of your book, um, could you give us a quick synopsis about um, what it's about?
1: It's essentially about healing um, my relationship with my mother and also through that healing the relationship with my heritage, uh, my mother's side uh, of, of my heritage. Uh, for most of my life, I grew up really just estranged from my mother and wanting to reject her. Uh, My mother is a native of Okinawa and um, my father was stationed on the island after he fought in Vietnam and that's how they met. Uh, And then we... We moved to uh, well, they moved to the United States, and I grew up in a predominantly white suburb of upstate New York. And everywhere I saw was was white uh, and and American. And I I saw my mother as this outsider, and how she she made me an outsider and and I and I blamed her for that so I was I was very I was very embarrassed and ashamed of her growing up and it's a story about learning about everything that she went through and sacrificed to come to the United States and how everything that she went through and how that informed her upbringing of me and I couldn't understand without Understanding her history without understanding Okinawan history, my history. Uh, so it's it's a story about a reconciling with that.
2: And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. A sponsor of this episode is Ancient Nutrition. So if you're into Researching your health and looking at different supplements like I am, you don't have to scroll very far down your newsfeed to find a story about the restorative effects of collagen. It's all the rage, but it's way more than just hype. Get the very best collagen on the market from Ancient Nutrition. Their best-selling multi-collagen protein powder includes five different types of collagen. It is the first and only collagen on the market with clinically studied ingredients proven to help reduce joint discomfort as early as day one, improve fine lines and wrinkles after four weeks, and transform your overall skin tone after eight weeks. It's unflavored and dissolves in any liquid, so put a scoop in your morning coffee, smoothie, or even baked goods. My mother-in-law puts her uh, collagen powder in uh, fruit juice sometimes, and so that works really well for her. Uh, For me, whenever I have taken collagen, I really uh, have to agree with her. I really like putting it in a fruit juice or in a smoothie. That's really my go-to. Right now, Ancient Nutrition is offering 20% off your first order when you go to ancientnutrition.com right now and enter the code READINGWOMEN at checkout. That's ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code READINGWOMEN for 20% off your first order. Ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code READINGWOMEN at checkout. And of course, all of that information will be in our show notes. Thanks so much to Ancient Nutrition for sponsoring.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the first questions that came to my mind when I knew we were sitting down today is that so much of your book is centered around your parents, especially your relationship with your mother. And so as I was reading this book, you can definitely see that distinct shift between the relationships and perceptions you had about your mother and father in the adult passages versus the childhood passages, there's there's this this contrast and this difference. What I'm curious about is how kind of those shifts took place, because your book really shows the goalposts of then and now, rather than you know the the journey of maybe how you got there. And I think each each and every one of us in in my mind, the biracial community has this push and pull constantly, right? Of not feeling a hundred percent, you know, one part or the other. The only thing, at least for me, that feels a hundred percent is that I'm a hundred percent biracial. And my even relationships with my family and, and especially my parents have changed and shifted over time. And I think that is so indicative of that biracial experience. So, um, how did that kind of journey and maybe some shifts and turning points look like for you
1: mhm it's still something i'm constantly grappling with and i'm still coming to new insights even even after like pouring it all out into this book yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like i said before I, yeah i grew i grew up in the this white suburb and i i constantly looked to my father, like my father, was the one who could guide me. My father was uh, the one who could um, teach me the way to be in this world. And my mother just seemed, you know, and this is coming from a child standpoint,
0: right? And, yeah.
1: Why? Yeah. Like, why can't you show me anything? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um why is it so difficult for you to navigate this world? And so mm-hmm. I, I. You know I thought I thought of her as as weak as someone who t- couldn't take care of me but she was con- you know she was constantly taking care of me and in, in ways yeah, yeah. that I could and yeah in ways that I couldn't see uh um until
2: <laughs> until, until you're resured. older
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and then you look back and you're like oh my goodness wow <laughs> um how did how did you do all that without any recognition for it um yeah and 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 she and yet she still kept going and and that's and that's why i just admire her strength so much and 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 it was a lot of just growing up and and seeing the dynamics also the the gender dynamics as well understanding the more nuance of these systems right colonialism imperialism um racism and and seeing how that put my father and and her how she was just it, it, living in this family where her culture was not dominant. Right. Uh it, yeah and and so that that gave me much more like a sympathetic generous view of, of what she had, had to deal with how much harder it was for, for her than my father and becoming a woman and being like, wow, like being a woman is really hard. Uh,
0: yes. And,
1: and, and, and seeing her in that way, just as not as my mother, but as a woman who is dealing with all the, the misogyny. I mean, that, that, as that's a system that came into play as well, too, being a being a cocktail waitress, at, you know, at a nightclub in Okinawa and serving these soldiers drinks. And and that was one of the um, one of the things you told me later in life, how. She got paid a uh, dollar uh, for every drink she got a serviceman to buy for her. This is the dynamics of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, use, using, her, using her sexuality, right? Using mm-hmm. her, just objectifying, having to objectify herself to make a living. And yeah, and so I, just understanding how all that was sort of coming together um, in my family, right, and, man, and manifesting in the, in the dynamics of my family, and it really, that's what it is. It's just the, uh, you, you talk about turning points, but that's what was so hard to capture because it it, it happens so subtly and so gradually and over mm-hmm. time. But one one of them was definitely seeing my mother, uh, as a, so the inspiration for the book was co- going to my mother's baptism mm-hmm. and uh, she'd recently joined this, the Rochester Japanese Christian Congregation. And, um, it's a, it's a church, uh, that's the, all the members are, are Japanese mm-hmm. and almost all of them are women. Like, I think there's like two me- Japanese men there <laughs> um, and, and uh, um, and almost all of them are women, almost all of them are around my mother's age. Mm-hmm. And all the women around my mother's age were married to white American men who served in the military.
0: Yeah,
1: And that was the first time I, it kind of dawned on me, like, this is not, I'm not a totally isolated incident. My family is yeah. not.
0: Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I had the same experience when, when my, so my dad was a chief in the Navy and every year they would have an annual Navy awards ceremony for all the chiefs and officers and you would, they would bring their family members. And so my parents would go to the ceremony and then they have the, like this party at the end, all the kids would come down and they had dance floor and all the stuff. I walked into this conference room, this ballroom and almost, I, I'm definitely more than half, but like a shockingly large amount that even me as a child realized that almost every one of those Navy soldiers were married to Asian women. And, You know, as a kid, you're just like, oh, wow, everyone's got an Asian mom like me. And now as an adult, I say, wow, like that is a distinct pattern that arises from, you know, a lot of different factors that you lay out very well in one of the chapters of this book that we, you know, I have it in a later question. We could definitely talk about that as well. It is this shared experience and it does play to a lot of these Different aspects of our history and our cultures, and it's no surprise either. I think my dad, um, my parents are no longer together. After they um, split, my dad noted that I, a, a, a lot of people uh, who um, he knows in the Navy that married, uh, you know these these women from overseas, they're not together anymore, and I think that's telling. and it just makes me realize a lot of different things about my family. And then a lot of the military families that we had, because I grew up on Navy bases for most of my life, that it is this kind of systemic type cycle um, that we live in. And it's, it's something that isn't really talked about a lot. And I felt very, it's kind of like, whenever you're on the base, and you're isolated to it, you feel like it's so normalized. And then, when my dad got out of the military when I was in you know, middle school and we moved back to a very predominantly white suburb, like like uh, you had mentioned it we're in Ohio, but close enough exactly, right? You know, apples and oranges, right? I realized that that is not the norm and that's not really discussed. and and my my family was very different than all of the other families around me. So I, I totally, totally get and understand that as well. Yeah. And,
1: and how much has to be explained, right. With, to explain the way these two people came together is, uh, it's so far reaching and, and, you know, into the past, (laughs) Uh, that, yeah, that it's, 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 it's bewildering. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and and it gave me a lot of, it just, it helped me so much, uh, to understand, um, uh, my mother and myself, uh, to, to learn about that. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it kind of leads very nicely to, to the next thing I, I was hoping to discuss today is there's a, a passage in your book, um, that I, I, I literally took a picture of it. And I sent it to my sister because it just, I felt like, pinpointed a lot of what my family had experienced. And I'll I'll paraphrase it here, but it, it kind of notes that while people from different cultures might ultimately get along, you know, if they fall in love and start a family, those cultures and histories are forced to confront each other when, and potentially upset each other when you bring that unit long term. And this He. this resonated with me so much because I feel like sometimes we as a society, we praise and encourage interracial couples to get married and start a family, and that's wonderful. But there's also this other side of the coin that, you know, you can't really solve racism or cultural clashes by having biracial children. I even think it makes things more complicated, honestly. I feel like my existence and my identity has been complicated for most of my life, and so... I feel like it's a constant struggle for me, again, like you were saying, to, like, have people understand what it's like to be a biracial individual, have to explain, you know, the family dynamics that I've had or my life experience or, you know, what it's like straddling these two different communities that don't fully, you know, accept me either way, right? so. I, I really wanted to hear kind of your thoughts around that passage and the themes and the message you were really getting to with that, that, um, paragraph, because it, it, it resonated with me so much. And I'm like, if this, if people could just see this, like, I think this would really help ex- explain the dynamics of interracial families and, and ultimately, you know, mixed race, um, children that are a result of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I know it's, it's, it's huge. And I think I, it's about, it, you know, you, it's really about learning a language, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, um, and, and everything that's baked into our communication mm-hmm. with each other that I, that I think if you're aware of it, you could be more sensitive to it, but mm-hmm. I was not aware of it for so long. So there's, So much that got lost in translation. I'm trying to think of examples of my how how my mother's uh, history was. You know, it was it was just denied. For a long time, I didn't know the difference between Okinawan and Japanese, um, right. and, yeah. and yeah, and 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 then. But she's my mother, and she's living mm-hmm. in this family um, that mm-hmm. doesn't acknowledge that or doesn't doesn't openly discuss it. And that was the um, problem too. Is that my father? Just his background and how he grew up. He mm-hmm. was very much like you know, race doesn't matter. Um, oh
0: yeah, I definitely got that yeah. too. <laughs>
1: you know, like it's not important. What's important, you know, what's important is your character. What's important is what you yeah. do in life.
0: And you work hard <laughs> and you you justify your place in society because you worked hard and not because of X, Y, Z, different things that you had, you had experienced, right? Exactly,
1: exactly. And, and not also what who you were born as, right. Mm-hmm. and And, because that's so unAmerican, right? Like it doesn't right. matter. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where you were born or what family. like you know, who you're born as and how the world sees you, how that just affects everything. and And this clash came a lot from me not understanding where my mother was coming from. There are so many countless examples, but one of them that I that just kind of dawned on me recently was how my mother like really hates camping (laughs) (laughs) when we would go on vacation or we would travel different places. Like my father and I favored the more kind of like rustic, charming, Mm. like what we call like rustic quaint. And for my mother, this, I, you know, it was really re-traumatizing. Like she grew up with that, she she grew up without running water. She had to like get water from the well and like bathe in her yard. Uh, so, and would disappoint me that she always wanted to stay at like a holiday inn. And I, and I was very condescending towards her. It's just like, oh, you don't, you don't understand like corporate, like, you know, like corporate America. And what that meant to her, like it, holiday inn meant just safety, uh, yeah. security, uh, it, um, clean. Uh, Running water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I can, these are the, uh, a very predictable, this is a very predictable place. That's just one example of uh, growing up that I, I never understood about her until I, I, until I understood her (laughs) and, and this is more like class than culture, but, Mm uh, but it, but it comes in all the time with the apology. My mother's a extremely apologetic person and, and, and very accommodating, just very kind and generous. And again, and again, I interpreted that as weakness because you know, here we're we're supposed to not necessarily not apologize, but
0: to be individualistic. You want to you want to you know, we we're, we're not a collective society like in the East, and so it's like. You got to be that person to look out for yourself because if you're if you give too much to other people they're just going to walk all over you, right? Exactly. And everyone has to do that.
1: And everyone has to do that for that to work, right? Like everyone both like to be a very apologetic society or to be an individual individualistic society, in order for it to work, everyone has to be like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to be uh, myself, my own contained unit and just take care of myself and not think of other people. Or I have to be Ah, uh, part of a whole, and everyone has to be part, think of themselves as part of this whole, and that's where my mother's coming from, right? Like, is just she would just be so preoccupied with mm. with others, people's comforts, other people's needs. So, and and that's just because of the community that she grew mm-hmm.
2: up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. A sponsor of this episode is Talkspace. After the emotionally draining year we all endured in 2020, there are positive things on the horizon for 2021. It's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction. That's why instead of just celebrating a month of mental health awareness, it should be our priority all year long. Take the first step with online therapy. Talk therapy is an incredibly important part of taking care of our mental health, as may is mental health awareness. It's a particular time we take uh, to focus on topics around mental health. Uh, But if you're like me and you still are social distancing and being careful because maybe you have a condition or maybe you're taking care of the elderly and have to be very careful that way, whatever the case may be, you may not be able to get to a therapist in person. Talkspace gives you an opportunity to have talk therapy via your computer, you can get a line and talk to your therapist that way. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code readingwomen to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's readingwomen and Talkspace.com. One of the other themes
0: that, I feel like is woven throughout the, you know, there are undertones of this kind of internalized racism throughout the book, how you were maybe embarrassed to to be Asian American or half Okinawan. And, you know, a lot of Asian Americans, including myself, or even people in color, people of color in general, experience some type of internalized racism, usually what I think is, you know, early in their lives, if not their whole life, right? So... I I think if if we want to discuss that experience and how dangerous it can be but also how it does really inform that relationship with your mother is how you see yourself too because you're a part of your parents right so when you have this struggle in relationship and and you kind of see weakness or lack of respect of the, a family member then that part of that goes to you inside right as that as that form of internalized racism and i i feel like you know internalized racism isn't talked about enough um in literature or mainstream media but so many people experience it and i i did appreciate how you highlighted that in your book and i i was curious to to know if there was kind of this potential struggle or or push and pull to put that to paper because i could only imagine And how difficult that would have been to really express that so openly in this book. But um, I didn't know if you wanted to, to mention that or talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, it, it, like you said, it was a lifelong struggle. It's mm-hmm. been a lifelong struggle, and still, like I said before, things are coming to light. <laughs> new, new mm-hmm. things are coming to light constantly, um, because it, it it seeps so deep uh, in, into your mm-hmm. psyche and gets repressed. So, but the, but by the time I was putting it to paper, it was very cathartic and something that mm-hmm. I needed, and it was something I needed to do because I wanted to. And definitely not excuse myself, but explain myself for how mean I was to my mother. I'm not trying to absolve myself, I'm just trying to put it in context. Because of the world, because of the 80s and 90s, um, (laughs) that I thought anything and anyone that wasn't white was inferior what we constantly saw on television, what we constantly mm-hmm. saw, um, listened to on the radio. Uh, or read in books, uh, read <laughs> even. In books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at school, at school even, right? Yes. Like white, uh, um, uh, white, 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 white. There was nothing uh, for like speaking to us or experience mm-hmm. or praising it or um, celebrating it at all. And I thought that, okay, this is this is who I need to be um, <laughs> as close as I can get. Um, I remember even thinking, even mildly thinking to myself, like, well, good thing I'm half white, you know, uh, because <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like I, I, you know, like I almost stand a chance here. Uh, and then, and it became just like, just rejecting my Asian-ness and that came, and that also went along with rejecting my mother um, because mm-hmm. she was my Asianness, and being so, so grateful for any, any attention that I got, from white people, because those are the only people I knew. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're being poisoned by it too, right? Like yeah, they're they're yes. also looking at seeing and seeing white, 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 and 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 also thinking that anyone who's not white is inferior. And so it's just like this feedback loop of I'm inferior and people treat me as I'm inferior, so I'm inferior, so I get treated as I'm inferior. You know, that's it's uh, um, and it's so uh, entangling. <laughs> You know, like it's really hard to get out of it uh, and yeah. see it from outside once you're once you're so in it.
0: And it's funny. I don't know if you experienced this, but I definitely experienced it maybe towards the end of high school and into college where, you know, my whole life I was like very similar to what you're saying. Blend in. You know, B, I, I feel like I I kind of have tendencies to want to be kind of like a perfectionist because I'm like, well, if I'm great at everything, then they ha- they have to accept me, right? Like if I'm really good at, at my studies or, you know, I was in musical theater, if I do all these things, then, then maybe they'll look to me as someone who is capable or could help them or, you know, um, is, is someone who could be a leader then there's this, this shift where, um, all of a sudden, whoa, you're, you have such a, a, a cool name or, or you're half Japanese. That's so cool. And you, and then you get praised for being different. And it's like this whiplash effect, right. Of being like, wait, I'm cool now. <laughs> like, um, what? Like I, and I, 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 it's almost like, well, yeah, now you know everyone in our community is white and, Now we're grasping for being our individual selves and blossoming and being this new person. And it's like, wow, you're so lucky to have this really cool thing about you. And I'm like... Uh, that's not what you guys were saying when you were raking me through the coals on my how my childhood and making fun of my name and saying that all I eat is sushi at home and all this stuff like the aspects of what societal pressures and expectations and these boxes that they try to to, to put us in sometimes is so jarring sometimes. Like I even just thinking about it, I have all these like thoughts racing in my mind. So that's like, I'm having trouble getting the words out.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that, those so similar to, to things that I experienced like that, that kind of turn of just like, half. Oh, you're cool because you're, you're half Asian. And then I have to like perform it. You know, like then I have to be like, okay, now I'm leaning in like, you know. uh, Yeah, um.
0: And now I'm like, oh, I have to learn how to be Japanese now because I suppressed it so much. I'm like, okay, um, time to learn, you know, um, the islands and, you know, the the, the cuisine and and the proper pronunciation. Because people people will then start at and now you, you become the encyclopedia for all of okinawan or all of all of japanese culture and so everyone says hey yeah you know so like i've heard of kobe beef like that's from japan right tell me everything about kobe beef i'm like excuse me what like okay let's all google together because i don't know like i i i tried to suppress this for so long and now i feel like i have to be the resident expert because everyone now says well okay instead of me trying to do my own research or trying to figure this out myself like you're just going to tell me, right? And teach me. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. Either way is exhausting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So exhausting. But I was so like, oh my God, you're interested in me now? Like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And like, just like doing backflips, like trying to like, what, what do you want me to be? Like what, (laughs) Like, who do you want me to be right now? Right. Yeah.
0: I'll be the encyclopedia for you. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's just, it's, uh, Ugh, it's exhausting and demeaning, <laughs> but yeah. but also, it's just offensive, it, yeah, <laughs> offensive. yeah. and and also, like even even as an adult, when it still happens, i'm I try so hard to be like, okay, they like you know, when someone's just genuinely curious, right? right. And like, and it it's hard not to get mad, but it's also hard to not to be polite. <laughs> Right. Like, just be like, okay, I will, I will answer your questions. Like, okay. (laughs)
0: It's, it's, it's almost like, I, I almost take it to the point where it says, you know, um, I'll answer this question, but I'm not the expert. So you should still Google it. (laughs) I've only been to Japan three times. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) but then like even in that experience though like sometimes I have these these thoughts even after saying something like that which you should say to you know to really stick up for yourself right like you should be able to say you know what I don't know like you should probably just look it up I I still sometimes after leaving that conversation have some guilt to be like like I wish I like would have known like that there's something about this culture that I don't know that like I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice that I don't know enough about my own culture, right? Yeah, I feel bad for not knowing. I feel yeah, like,
1: uh, absolutely. It's just like, well, why don't I know? Why, like, I should know that? And and right. yeah, and the, and then and then I I carry the guilt and. Mm. I don't know, this other person just gets to walk away.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they just good, get to say, feel good about oh, themselves. Well, Being, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. they don't know that. Cool. Like, right. okay. Yeah. I'm going dinner now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit to some of the other aspects of the book, which um, were some of the chapters about about Okinawa. I'm going to be honest. Even though I'm I'm half Japanese and just talking about gaps in our knowledge, even that's a good segue, I guess. So, uh, I I knew an embarrassingly little amount about Okinawa before I even read this book, and so I I really appreciated the structure of your book, which moves back and forth between your life and the history of Okinawa. And I found it very interesting that you wrote a lot of the Okinawan chapters in first person from like the country's point of view as if it is a character. And I thought this was such a smart and expert choice. And I feel like I I didn't even realize it until like the second um, Okinawan chapter that I was like, oh, wow, wait. And I like flip back to the first one. I was like, oh, these are written in first person. And I feel like that was so smart because I, I feel like it, it makes the reader feel the weight and the impact of the stories and history. And I feel like it makes it, you know, easier to enter this place of empathy when you can place yourself in the shoes of the Okinawan people because you're in that point of view. And so I'm really curious to know what drove you to make those chapters first person because I I thought this was such a brilliant move on your part.
1: Thank you so much. Uh and and yeah, a lot of those chapters that I wrote in uh the Okinawan chapters in First Person Plural are the one ones that I'm like most proud of. So it wasn't until I started writing this book or um that I got the idea that I have to write this book and I and I started researching the history. Mm-hmm. That's when I First learned okinawan history, so um, <laughs> yeah, d- yeah d- no need to feel embarrassed. <laughs> um, I knew that it was such an essential part of my my coming of age, really the reconciling with myself and with my mother, n- knowing this history and feeling like it 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 explained me i didn't know how to make it feel close i I, I grappled with it for so long, and then i um, I, I have to give a shout out because I stumbled upon uh, the book *The Buddha in the Attic* by Julia Tsuka. Mm. It's one of the most like gorgeous, devastating books I've ever read, and 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 it was all done in first person plural. And mm. and and then I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to try this, (laughs) Um, you know, completely stolen idea. Um, uh, What did did Picasso say about artists? Something like that. Like, uh, you know, like real artists steal.
0: Yes. (laughs) I'll steal everything from other people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, you know, but, um, um, but it also really write writing in that voice yeah, it made all these events and history more accessible to me and feel and actually really feel like they were a part of me. And it allowed me to tell the story in a way that wasn't this distant history textbook, you know, you know like uh, um, written by a white person. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it, it allowed me to tell the story to myself in a way that felt like me it was a way for me to claim this history as mine, uh, um, which is something that I had never done before. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and to, and I needed to show that, uh, like, you know, the past, basically, I'm just, I'm thinking of all the, everything that had to happen and all the suffering that that had to occur in order for me to exist. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's very, like very mind blowing, the, you know, the, the battle of Okinawa, um, so devastating, but that's the only reason why my dad was stationed on the island you know not the only yeah. reason, but you know like that that's that started it off and everything that led up to the Battle of Okinawa it helped me just understand my place in the world. You know, and I still have reservations about it, just like what we were talking before, because I'm not fully Okinawan. I'll never be fully Okinawan. So it does seem like a bold, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, like a bold statement to be like, now I'm speaking for this island. I feel like in a way I'm speaking, I'm speaking to my white side from my Okinawan side. You know, like, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's something that's like, I, 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 uh, like, I need to tell
0: you this, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: um, this is why you're like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a really great way of putting it. I never really thought of it that way, but that is, is, is probably truly what many of us, um, when we are uncovering a lot of the different aspects of our heritage that might've been suppressed in the past. That's ultimately what you're reckoning with, right? Is, uh, saying, Hey, you know, I, it's almost like, Hey, I've given this side of me all the attention and now I'm focusing on this and, Oh hey other side like this is why this is important this is why we've been feeling some type of way our whole life is because of this thing we've ignored our whole lives right so oh. yeah exactly like hey i exist too <laughs> like yeah. i yeah i'm here
1: yeah yeah it's really it's it's an announcing it's yeah <laughs>
0: I I do want to kind of um, end end our conversation on a happier kind of note. I know we've our listeners are probably like, wow, they've really tackled some some heavy topics. But one of one of my favorite parts of the book too, just because I felt like it was this great contrast of these wonderful kind of warm and fuzzies that I got <laughs> was the trip that you went on that mirrored your family's or your parents' honeymoon in Japan, but 40 years later. Honestly, it made me want to go back to Japan. (laughs) I was like, oh man, I miss it. (laughs) I I want to go back. And so I really thought that that was really, really very kind of a, a very touching part of the book. And that's also part of the kind of adult side of your your kind of goalpost that I talked about, right? And how you are uncovering things actively about your parents and their relationship and about your mother and all of these different things um by going on this recreation of their honeymoon. And so I have so many questions about it. I'll narrow it down to like what was what was the bit best part of that trip and like what was the biggest kind of eye-opening thing that you learned about your parents and how maybe some of your relationship with them shifted during that trip?
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, <Low>
1: question. <laughs> oh, God, because that trip was who like, <laughs> um, and, yeah. and, and again, still, I'm like, wow, like all, all the things that it opened up in me. Um, <laughs> the the best part of the trip so so much but it had it had to be coming to okinawa i didn't know what to expect I, I i hadn't been there i hadn't been there since i was 12 and there's a chapter before about how i visited when i was 12 and i was like a complete brat um but um <laughs> an awful awful person um but but i didn't know what to expect i didn't and i have never been greeted with just such warmth, and and I'll and I'll never forget it. Uh, the 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 one scene, uh, I call it a scene now because it's written. But <laughs> it was the, my first day arriving in Okinawa, yeah. And they made this big party for us, and um, I had just like three days before I left for Japan, uh, broken up with my fiance, and you know, which definitely you know like had a made the color change of the <laughs> right, <laughs> but put a little, little damper on it. Uh, at this party, they all, uh, I was, it was in the middle of, of us eating dinner. My mon- uncle made an announcement and he uh, um told like, he, it was all in Japanese and he told everyone to like bring me my gifts. And I didn't know what was going on, but they, but they all st- stood and they, you know, gathered around me and they, and they gave me wedding gifts, which was just like a red envelope with, uh, mm-hmm. um with Yen inside. And I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, mom, what, what's happening? And, <laughs> right. and, and they're like, these are wedding gifts. And I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I'm like, do they know the wedding's canceled? And she's like, yeah, they know. And I'm like, oh my God. And, and, but, <laughs> but, uh, and you know, and I was just crying, but the fact that they, you know, they, they and these are people that I had met once or twice right. yeah. and, and just to, and just to, to, just that demonstration of we're a family, we're still your family and yeah. we care about you and we know you have a broken heart
0: <laughs> and like, here,
1: <laughs> and here's some money, <laughs> like, right, <laughs> this will make it better. <laughs> yeah. Just something, just some sort of show and it was, and it was, yeah, it was just so beautiful and, and yeah, I go, I'll, yeah, I'll always, always carry that with me. I'll always be very, very grateful um, for that. And then that's just, and that's just who they are all the time. Yeah. Just
0: <laughs> I feel like that's that to me, I'm always shocked when I go back to Japan. I've only, again, I've only been there three times. First time I went was when I was 18. So I, I never even went as a child. I'm sure I would have been a brat as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I'm always shocked every time I go back, even though I've only been there a handful of times at how, wonderfully loving and accepting and how interested my extended family is whenever I come back and I can't even speak Japanese. And they ask so many wonderful questions, you know, um, about, you know, the, we, you know, we try to go back every like five years or so. And they ask about what's happened the last five years, like, like it was, you know, what happened yesterday last time I saw you, right? So it, it just... I feel like it, for, for, cause similar to, to, um, your family, like my mom was the only one who moved over here after she met my dad. Like, I think a lot of people, when they say, oh yeah, my mom immigrated from Japan, they assume that, you know, a bunch of other family members from my mother's side is here. And I say, no, it's just my mom. Um, and so I didn't grow up knowing my aunts and uncles and my extended family and oh by the way when i go see them i can't talk to them because i'm not fluent in japanese but it doesn't matter because they still they still love you and it i think it just makes it that that to me you know as well was so eye opening just going halfway around the world someone who can't even communicate you with language, but they can communicate you with love and things like those, those gestures that, that you mentioned of, of the envelopes. And I think that's something truly special and, and something that probably a lot of people, um, don't understand unless you have your entire half of, you know, family that doesn't live in the same country or speak the same language as you. So I think that that's definitely something that resonates with me as well.
1: Yeah, and I and and I think that's when I began to realize that because you know, I, I, especially as a writer too, or someone who's like very like like loves books and loves reading and loves talking, I, it, it was something I missed with my mother. You know, like I thought like we can't ever know each other because we don't speak the same language. Mm-hmm. And and I think that like a, it was after that trip, you know, when I started to realize like no, we have some, we're still share something, we still, com- we still very much communicate with each other, uh, it, but not in the ways that I, uh, realized before, Yeah, you know, like, I think, I think all of her gestures before, um, I, I, I think I began to understand them more that like, oh, these are gestures. These, this is, this is <laughs> communication. <Yes. laughs> this is love. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, and I just need to listen, you know, I need, yeah. So
0: all right. Well, thank you so much. It was truly a pleasure. I'm, I'm so thankful and honored to have the opportunity to talk to you today. It was truly the highlight um, uh, for me for, for probably many weeks. This is, was wonderful.
1: Thank you so much. I feel the same.
0: It's great. And that's our show. I'd like to thank Elizabeth Miki Brina for talking to me about Speak Okinawa, which is out from Kanaf. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. This episode was produced and edited by Kendra Winchester. And our music is by my mom, Mickey Saito, (laughs) with Isaac Green. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at The Reading Women. Thanks for listening.